Welcome to Raw Faith, a podcast for believers who want to grow and mature in their authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. In our time together, we hope to challenge each other to become better doers of the word and not just hearers. This program is hosted by Shelley McWilliams of Sozo Restoration Ministries, which helps people to transform their lives through the healing, wholeness, and equipping of Jesus. So let's see where the word takes us today. Now, let's take a look at what happened in the fall of mankind. We're going to continue in chapter 3, and let's look at verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable to gain wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Notice here that all three parts of Eve were being tempted. Remember, God is a triune being, and he created us to be a triune being. And so he created us with a spirit, a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and a body. This passage of scripture tells us that she saw that the fruit was good. So her physical body was tempted and its appetites were stirred because of the tree looking like it was good, and it was pleasing to the eye. And so this was something that pleased her as she felt the desire of this looks really good. And so that was tempting the nourishment of her body. But then it goes on to say it was pleasing to the eye, and that appealed to her emotions. This is, this is pleasing to me. This is stirring a desire for me. In fact, it goes on and says, and it's desirable for gaining wisdom. And so her emotions, again, are engaged. This is a good thing. This is something that I want. So her emotions and her mind are thinking this. And then she engages in her choice. And then she took some and she ate it. So we see there that good for food is the body. Pleasing to the eye is testing the soul. And then desirable to gain wisdom and being like God is testing her spirit man. So the serpent had laid out a target on Eve because he got her in all three parts of her being. He tempted her. And we see that she took that temptation. So we've looked at the serpent tempting. We've looked at the fall. And let's take a look at what happens when sin enters the world. Adam's eyes were not opened until after Adam, not Eve, ate of the fruit. And I think that's important for us to understand because there's a very hidden point if we don't stop there. If Eve would have eaten of the fruit, she probably would have gotten some trouble, but it would not engage sin in the world. So let's move on and take a look at what happens when sin enters the world. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through nine, and probably some following verses here. Okay, let me read verse six for you. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband and he ate it. So that's what I just read to you. But let's look at the next verse. Verse seven says, right after it says he ate it, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Verse 8 says, Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he came down to take a walk in the cool of the day with them. But Adam and Eve hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man and said, Where are you? It's important for us to understand that sin entered the world when Adam ate 
of the fruit because Adam was the one that God gave the commandment to in Genesis 2, 15 and 18, that he was not to eat. So God laid out the rules of the Garden of Eden to Adam, not Eve. And it was Adam's role that he was supposed to take care of Eve and not be led by Eve, but be led by God. It's important for us to note that so that we know that we're accountable to the Lord, irrelevant of what somebody says or how somebody tempts us. Our choices, we are accountable for our choices. It's so funny to me because later on in Scripture, when God comes and is talking to Adam and says, what did you do? Adam points to the woman and blames it on God. Well, it's the woman you gave me. But that has nothing to do with it. Adam was accountable to God for what God told Adam. And he chose to give up his position of authority over the garden and over Eve. And he submitted to Eve and he was disobedient to God in the process. So there's some things that happened when sin entered the earth and Adam was disobedient to God. We call this the fall of mankind. And so I want to look at three different things that took place when that sin happened. What does it mean, the fall of mankind? So first, let's take a look at the first thing that happened was mankind lost their authority. Remember back in Genesis 128, where God gave man authority to rule over all the living creatures and to subdue the earth. So God had given man authority to have dominion over creation. But let's go forward into the new covenant. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, the enemy tells us a very important detail. Starting in verse 1, this is when the enemy comes to tempt Jesus. But in verse 1, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing, and during those days, at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. Verse 5, very important. The devil led him to the high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Verse 6, And he, Satan, said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to whomever I want. And if you'll worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so we see that when Adam chose to give up his authority over ruling over Eden and ruling over Eve, and I don't mean that in a dominant way, I mean it in staying in the authority that God gave him. When he chose to give that up, then what happened is the enemy now, because the enemy was the one that tempted him, the enemy now has that authority. When Eve chose, or excuse me, when Adam chose to sin, he gave up his authority because he chose to become disobedient and get outside of the character that God made him and the purposes God made him, and he walked away from his authority. So one of the things that happened in the fall of man is that mankind lost their authority, or if you will, their dominion over creation. The second thing that happened is instead of being blessed, remember, we're created to be blessed. The second thing that happened is God's justice mandated that there would be a judgment for sin. And so God had to proclaim curses 
on his creation and his created. So we see different curses that took place. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we see that God proclaimed a judgment on the serpent. And he said, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's a prophetic statement of the coming of Christ. So the serpent is judged. Then in chapter 16, we see that the woman is now cursed. And God said to the woman, I will greatly increase your pain and childbearing. And with pain, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, we could skirt past that curse and think that, okay, well, yeah, we get that. Okay, so we have pain and childbearing, and yes, our desire is to be for a husband, but he's going to rule over us. And so I want us to dig a little deeper because as I was studying this verse in Scripture, it's interesting that the two things that point to pain where it says, I will greatly increase your pain and childbearing, and with pain you will give birth. In the original language, those two pains there are two different words. And so if we were to look at the original context of the Hebrew, it will say, so God said to the woman, I will greatly increase your physical pain and sorrow in childbearing. And with pain, meaning with turmoil, sorrow, and hardship, you will give birth to children. And your desire, defined as to control and conquer, Okay, because that was opposite of what God had intended was that Eve would be a helpmate to man. But instead, she's going to desire to conquer and to control men. It changes that verse when we look at the original language and we realize that pain is not just a physical pain. But when God is cursing woman, it's a curse of both mental, emotional and physical pain. and a conflict with her husband because she will desire to rule over and to conquer him because isn't that what Eve did in the fall of mankind? She is the one that gave Adam the fruit and convinced him to take a bite. And so her desire will constantly be to control and conquer her husband. Boy, do we see that in our time and our culture today. And listen, I could say this as a woman, that is part of what they call our Adamic nature, the, the nature that came in with the fall of mankind, that women do have a tendency to control. And we do have a tendency to want to rule over and subdue, if you will, or conquer our men. And part of that is because when God created us women, he created us to feel secure and protected. But when we don't feel that, we try to control. And so I believe part of that is this curse. Now, the good thing is, and we'll look at this later, is when Jesus died on the cross, he became the curse for us. So we can break all of these curses that God proclaimed, but it doesn't just naturally happen. We have to appropriate the blood of Christ that was on the cross and what he did with becoming the curse for us. It's not a snap of the fingers and all this is taken away. So if I don't break the curse that came in Genesis on the female gender, then I'm still going to fight my Adamic nature to want to conquer and rule over my husband. And we see that 
Sadly, we see it in the church as much as we see it in the world. And listen, I'm not saying this as a condemning or a judging thing to, to women, but like I said, I'm a woman, but it is a tendency that we have. And what history has shown with the rise of women and, and the more of the authority and we're created equal and all that of women, that it has done nothing, but it's been fed by the curse that happened in Genesis and it has infiltrated all of our culture. And let me stop there and just say something as clarity. God made men and women of equal value. Absolutely, that's shown in the Word of God. Men and women are of equal value. However, God did not make us of equal position and purpose. There were things that God created man for that he told man to do, to have authority, to love his wife as Christ loves the church. So men had a position and a job. Women were to be helpmates and they were to be nurturers and they were to submit to their husbands and be that rib in their husband's side. And so we have equal value as genders, but we were not created for the same thing. And that's important to note there because since the women's lib movement began, there has been, again, half truth, half lies that has infiltrated our society and our culture. And so it has taken this whole equality thing and has moved it from equal value to we can do anything men can do. And that is not scriptural. That is a lie. That is a part truth and a part lie that the enemy has fed our culture and has demasculated men with it and has fed control in women. And so, sisters, I'm sorry if you're upset by hearing that, but I speak the truth in love. We've got to open our eyes and understand the enemy has given us a half-truth and a half-lie in our history, and we're still fighting that today. And we need to, again, change our dictionary so that it is defined by what God says it is and not what any women's lip movement or culture or anybody else says, but the word of God. Okay, that was a free bunny trail. All right, let's get back. So the third curse that God had to proclaim was the judgment on man. And we see that in Genesis chapter 17 and 19. To Adam, God said, because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree of which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat from the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you have returned to the ground. Since from it you were taken, and to dust you are, and to dust you will return. And we see there that that's a pretty hefty curse. It's, in fact, it's a fourfold curse. So the first thing is God says, man, you're going to know sorrow. So sorrow is part of, it's a fourfold curse. The second part is, you're going to know pain and suffering signified by thorns. So man was cursed with sorrow. Part of the curse was that he would have pain and suffering signified by the thorns. Three is by sweat of your brow. Four is that he would know physical death. And that passage of scripture in Genesis talks about when he returns to the ground. And the reason I point out that fourfold curse on man is because hopefully those words that I just said to you ring a bell. If not, let me put it together for you. According to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says that Christ, as the Son of Man, became the second Adam and was made a curse for us. He was a man of many sorrows, according to Isaiah 53, 3. 
who was acquainted with grief more than any other man. He was wounded and bruised and chastised for us, according to Isaiah 53, 5. And indeed he wore the very thorns of the curse as his crown. And Mark 15, 17 tells us that. While on earth, he offered us prayers and supplications with fervent crying and tears, according to Hebrews 5, 7. And on the last day before his crucifixion, when he was in the garden, praying in anguish to the Father, his sweat were like drops of blood falling to the ground, according to Luke twenty-two forty-four. And finally, God brought him into the dust of death, according to Psalm twenty-two fifteen. That is such, sorry, I'm getting emotional. That is such a beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus overtaking the cursing that happened at the fall of mankind. And if we don't stop to really take a look at what God proclaimed in Genesis, then we can't connect it to what the scripture says about what Jesus did and what he experienced. And as we do that, it is crazy that all the things that happened, and we'll see this as we look into what took place at the cross and what did Jesus return us to. But we see that every one of the things that God cursed us with, Jesus was identified with at some point or another through scripture. And so when sin came in the world, number one, again, man lost his authority. We were cursed. And then the third thing is mankind was now separated from God. And Genesis chapter three, verse eight tells us that it says that then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him among the trees of the garden. But God still called out to the man and said, where are you? And man answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. We have to realize that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Now, is God the one that did the separating? No, God still came down to fellowship and walk with man, even after God knew that they were disobedient. But what happened is when Adam heard God, actually Adam and his wife. So when Adam and Eve heard God, it says that they hid from God. So when sin happens, God doesn't separate himself from us. The reality is when sin happens, we see what takes place in our humanity. We hide from God. And so again, half truth, half lie. Many times by our definition, we feel, well, God, you've separated yourself from us because you're upset at me or you're angry at me. But what scripture says is, does a separation take place? Absolutely. But we see in Genesis 3, 8 through 10, that it is man who does the separating when we sin. It's not God. Adam and Eve, if you go on, says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says that Adam and Eve felt shame and they hid themselves from God. They feared God in an unhealthy way and they hid themselves and did not want to walk with him. They didn't want to fellowship with him. And so that is the first time shame comes on the scene. And can I tell you, being in the inner healing and deliverance ministry for, I don't know, probably close to 25 years now, I don't care who you are. I don't care how secure you are. I am a firm believer in every person struggles one time or another with shame and needs to be delivered and healed from wounding and spirits of shame. And we see that with sin. Shame is a consequence of sin. Shame is what makes us hide from God. Shame is what breaks 
our fellowship with God, and all that is the fruit of sin. So again, by definition of the word, when we sin, it's not God that moves. When we sin, it's us that moves. It's us that feels shameful. It's us that feels embarrassed. It's us that feels fear from God. And we end up closing our hearts down and we end up spending less time with him because we feel bad. And that just perpetuates because then we hear the lie of the enemy whispering to us. Well, see, God's mad at you. So he, you can't really go and spend time with him. You better stay away from him because he told you not to do that. And you did that. And we hang our head in shame and we withdraw ourselves from God. Such, such a twisting truth of the enemy. That is not what happens. God never hides from us. God is there when we sin. Jesus's blood is offered when we sin. It is us who have the tendency in our humanity to pull away from God, to, to lessen fellowship with God, to be more distant and separated from God. Even though we're not realizing that's what we're doing, we feel ashamed and we withdraw our emotions in our heart. And so let's take a look at verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Okay, again, going back to what God's limitation was to Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man that you may eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do, you will surely die. So Adam eats of the fruit. Is Adam still breathing? Yes. Did Adam die? Well, depends on how we define that. But what we know is when you study scripture, in scripture, death is defined by one word, separation. Death in scripture means separation. And there's three types of death that we see in the Bible. There is a physical death, and that is when our spirit is separated from our body. Will that happen to Adam? Did it happen to Adam and Eve? Yes. Will it happen to us? Yes. Then there's a spiritual death, and that is when our spirit is separated from God's spirit. What happened when Adam chose to become disobedient and sin is he experienced a spiritual death. If you look through Genesis, what you'll find is everything was about he and God, he and God, he and God. But then when he sinned, if again, go back to what his response was to God, it says that they knew they were naked and they hid. They, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves from their nakedness. They became self-aware and they weren't God aware anymore. They were hiding from God until God called them out. And so the sin that takes place in the fall of man is very much a spiritual death. And then the third type of death we have is an eternal death. And that is where our spirit is separated from God forever. So Adam, when the fall came into creation through Adam's sin, then all of a sudden these three kinds of death were open up to mankind. There would be a physical death, a spiritual death took place, and there would be an eternal death that took place. So we have to realize that that is what ensued at the fall of mankind. That's what it meant by surely you will die. It wasn't just a physical death that Adam and Eve would experience in the future. What they immediately experienced was a spiritual death where they became more self-conscious than God-conscious and an eternal death because that spirit man is now dead so eternal death, there is no fellowship with God's spirit, but a separation from God's spirit. And that eternal death means that we'll be separated from God forever. That's the state of the fall of mankind. That's what took place when Adam sinned. 
So again, we see a beautiful picture of Jesus, though, because Jesus, who is the second Adam, he died on the cross. He didn't only experience a physical death, but he also experienced a spiritual death. Do you remember when he died and he took all our sins upon him? He experienced that sin. He, he paid the price for that sin. So there was a physical death he endured. And there was a spiritual death he endured. And if you go to Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46, it tells us that, that Jesus felt pain for the first time and the only time in eternity. And the emotional pain of that is he felt separated from his father. Do you remember the moment where he says, why have you forsaken me? Jesus had never experienced a separation from the father until that moment. And so Jesus experienced a physical death and he experienced a spiritual death. And he did that so that we did not have to experience an eternal death. Such a beautiful picture of understanding what Jesus did, that he would endure death on the cross, that he would endure death in his spirit man, meaning he was separated in that moment that he took mankind's sin on him. He was separated from the Father, and he went through all of that so that we do not have to experience an eternal death. Hallelujah. God is so good. Jesus, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for your willingness to experience that, that we do not have to experience an eternal death, but that we get to spend eternity with the Father if we accept you. So that is taking a look at a couple things about the beauty of what Jesus did to, if you will, reverse the curse of what he did directly related to these circumstances and experiences in Genesis. And so we're going to end there for today. So let me leave you with this because this podcast is all about being doers of the word and not just hearers. What are you going to do with this understanding that we were given authority, that we were given these things by God and he created us for fellowship? What are you going to do with the fact that when we sin, we draw away and we pull away from God? It's the cry of the Father's heart that we get this because there's so much we're missing and Jesus bought so much more than we live every day. And so let's live, let's endure, let's press in and asking for the grace of the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives that we would truly begin to walk in what God created us for, that we would walk and be blessed, that we would walk in fellowship. I challenge you, do something with this knowledge. Pull down those thoughts that attack you and say that you're less than, you're the tail and you're not the head. Pull down those thoughts that tear you down and run you down and say, well, God will do it for others, but God won't do it for me. Take those thoughts captive and those lies of the enemy and shove them back in the enemy's face and say, no, God said that I was created to be blessed. No, God says that he desires fellowship with me. I don't have to beg him for fellowship, that I don't have to be ashamed and withdraw from him and cover myself when I sin, I'm able to go to him and say, I messed up, and that he is willing and his ears are open to hear, and the precious blood of Jesus is able to cover our sins. Let's do something with what we're talking about. Let's do something with the word of God and what it says about us. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. 
Please be sure to subscribe and share this podcast. And if you want to know more about Shelly or Sozo Restoration Ministries, visit our website at sozorestoration.org.